Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 27 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's show, I have the most amazing, you might recognize her voice, uh, if you listen to K-Rock or Alt 105.3, she's on the radio. She's got that sexy, sultry radio voice. It's Megan Holiday. Megan walks us through her recovery journey, what it's like to be sober, getting the job of her dreams, and everything in between. So let's get into Megan's story. Well, hello, Miss Megan Holiday. Hello, Jess. How are you? I am doing really good. It's been a lovely day so far. Just yeah? took my dog on a on a nice little walk and brushed her out, and I'm just hanging out until I have to go into work in a little while. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, the number one question, which is on everyone's mind, is, is Holiday your real last name? <laughs> holiday uh, holiday is actually my real last name um no way so i it is yeah so my dad is persian and okay. so when he moved to this country from iran uh and started his own business um you know he kind of just thought it would be good to have an american name for business purposes so his yeah. original last name is uh yamtobian which translates okay. to to holy day or good day, and so he decided to change his last name to Holiday. So uh, yeah, people never never believe me. They're always like, uh, "Hey, I need to put you on this list. Like, what's your government name?" And I'm like, "No, it's it's actually Holiday." So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was born born to do radio, you know. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna get into your. Your job in a minute, but you literally were born into radio. That's amazing. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Love that name. So, Megan, where can you just like give us a whole backstory of of your your recovery journey? Like, where did you grow up? How did you know, how did you get into your substances of choice? And uh, just take us through. Take us through the, the garden here. Okay, cool. So I was born and raised in Rancho Cucamonga, which is a suburb in Southern California. Oftentimes, uh, it's in, it's a part of the Inland Empire, which is associated with lifted, uh, trucks and bros. Uh, (laughs) and I will, I will admit that I did drive a lifted Toyota Tundra for a while. Um, no. And yes. Oh, yeah. I sure did. And I loved it. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, for me, like, um, I think that I started to drink around the time I was 13 or 14. And 
Previous okay. to me finding alcohol, you know, I had uh, I had witnessed my younger brother getting hit by a truck on our street by <gasps> a by our neighbor who was uh, a drunk driver, and uh, you know, it was like a hit and run. It was it was the most traumatic thing that I had ever been through. I probably that I will ever go through. Hopefully, um, yeah. And so, you know, witnessing something like that happen. I mean, he you know he lived like he's he's great. He's, he's doing well, but, um, okay. you know, I was, I was 11 years old and I remember at that point being like, I will never drink. I will never drink and drive and like all that. And, and, mm-hmm. and all of those things <laughs> turned out to, to, uh, not become true. I, um, you know, when I discovered alcohol, I just was like, wow, I feel so at ease. You know, I, uh, I'm someone yeah. who, definitely struggles with anxiety and, uh, just, I, I never felt like I fit in it. This is a common story with people who are, you know, addicts and alcoholics. It's just constantly feeling like out of place and uncomfortable in my own skin. And mm-hmm. so when I found alcohol, it was, uh, so such a relief, you know, I was, I could be who I wanted to be. I was, I was outgoing. I, you know, I could talk to boys. And, um, so, but the thing was that, that I didn't realize is that I wasn't drinking like a normal person would from the get go. You know, I immediately, like once I found alcohol, it was, you know, how are we going to procure a bottle? And then how many shots can we take until I'm throwing up and blacking out? And, I would say right. that I've been a blackout drinker almost from the beginning. Um, you know, and so alcohol was just, you know, so fun to me and it was a way to bond with other people and like I could feel good about who I was and I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that. Um, right. you know, as as time went on, I I uh, you know, I always said I would never smoke weed. I would never do coke. I would never do ecstasy. Like pretty much every single drug that I said that I would never do, I ended up doing, you know, because what happens when, you know, you have this disease is that you just don't have a choice in the matter. You are just looking to feel any, any way other than how you currently feel. And so, uh, so when I got into high school and I found uh pot, it was like, fuck yes. You know, um, (laughs) I, I, it was like, I felt like I found the answer to all of my problems. I was like, this is amazing. Yes. I was like, why why pot though? Like what? Because it just, uh, I mean, I don't know. It just, it made me, it made everything better, you know? Um, music sounded better. Food tasted better sex was better. I mean, just everything. Like I could, I could be high at my house and, uh, you know, nobody, nobody would know. And I was just kind of like, I I liked having this little secret that was mine. And, you know, I was just smoking pot all the time. And I was, I was just obsessed with it. My life revolved around when can I get stoned? Uh, you know, and, um, I don't know. I just, I just loved it. I started when I was about 16, 17 right around there. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, and then I was, I was drinking and smoking pot and, uh, you know, and that was, that was just, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, you know, uh, my mom had caught me at one point and I tried to kind of stop. Um, and then I sort of got kicked out of her house and, and I moved in with my dad who lived like 10 minutes away from her. And, uh, you know, living with my dad was, was awesome at, you know, looking like at that time because he worked so much. So I was just able to kind of do whatever the hell I wanted to do. And there was no boundaries. Um, so it wasn't long after that, that, um, I was introduced to cocaine and ecstasy and I just was off and running. I, I just loved it. I mean, I loved that I would do coke and I could have these like really in depth, like amazing philosophical conversations. And um, you know, I was just, and, and that I was just feeling coattails, you know, and, and I was just feeling so good. I would, you know, until you come down, obviously, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. it was, I was just like constantly chasing the high and I was always the last one up and I was always the one that was like, we got to go get more. We got to go get more, you know? 
Um, I've just been a fiend from the get go. Um, so I, uh, I did end up moving up to the Bay area to finish out college. I moved up there in 2006. And when I moved up there, I, I think I was confronted with the fact that the person that I thought that I was, was not at all who I was. I realized that I didn't really have the skills that I needed to cope with life. And Mm. I fell into a pretty uh, deep depression. I gained a lot of weight. I, um, you know, and I was just basically like using like the tools that I knew, which was smoking pot and drinking to, to Mm -hmm. get, to get through the rest of my college days, you know, and, and I, you know, and I did fine, you know, I was able to get through college and I graduated on time. I got good grades. I, I, I don't really know how I was able to pull all that off. Um, and I was dabbling, like, I, I wouldn't say that it was my like hard drug use was as bad when I was in college. Cause I didn't really know where to procure it. So, um, okay. you know, I wasn't hanging out with people that were doing like hard drugs that much. And, you know, until later on. Um, so then I, I moved to San Diego for a little while. I, um, mm-hmm. I had, uh, started an internship at a radio station there. Um, and I was, uh, working as a waitress and I had met, uh, a neighbor and just asked, you know, if, if, uh, he knew anywhere where I could get some Coke and he was able to get some for me. And then, okay. um, I, um, I ended up convincing him that he should become a Coke dealer, uh, when, you know, <laughs> and he, and he actually did it. He no. actually did it. And I, yes. And I remember what, walking over. <laughs> what was your sell? What was the selling point to convince well, someone just... to sell drugs? You're doing well, like was... super illegal activity and. <laughs> I, I was coked out of my mind when we were when when uh, this all was happening. No. I was just like, yeah, and you know, and I mean, he was high with me, you know, and he was. I was yeah. like, look, dude, I was like, I can get you the clientele, and you should just sell it, and then we'll have it all the time. And da, da, da. and I mean, I just, I don't know, I swayed him in some in wow. some manner. I was able to sway him and doing it. And I remember walking over there the next day, and he was like weighing everything out, and I was like, oh. No, I was like, this is going to be my demise because I can't stop. Like if I just have endless amounts of Coke, I won't yeah. stop. Like all the, the only way that I'll stop doing it is when my nose will like physically not allow me to put any more in it, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so pretty much that was a, it was a quick downward spiral from there. I was just doing Coke all of the time. I was barely able to hold my jobs and, um, I ended up getting let go from my internship because I wasn't able to just go and get the paperwork filled out that I needed to do because I was always just like hung over or had been up all night and was too sketched out to go and do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that was actually when I first realized that I had a problem. I remember one night I had done like ecstasy and Coke and I stood up and everything went black and I, my heart was going crazy and I, I got really scared. It actually Whoa. scared me. Um, so I was about 21 at that time. And I remember the next day I called my mom and I said, I have a, you know, I need help. I, I, I'm, I'm not okay. Like, I think I have a problem. And so I was able to go home and, and I, that was like my first introduction into, um, like 12 step recovery. Um, but you know, I, I was so young and I didn't really think I thought, Oh, well, if I just stay away from the Coke, like I'll be fine, you know? And, and it seems like for me when I get sober, I do, tend to get things back, uh, very quickly. So I, okay. I was able to, I decided, you know, I'm going to move to Northern California. I'm going to go back to grad. I'm going to go to graduate school at the college I graduated from. And I was just like that. I'm going to just go back, you know? Um, so I, mm-hmm. I was able to string together like maybe like 70 days of sobriety. And then I moved to San Francisco and, um, not long after that, I started smoking pot and drinking again. And before mm. I had moved there, I had gotten a phone call from somebody that I had met that worked at the radio station up there. And they they offered me to come in and uh, work as a sidekick on a night show. So I had, you know, cool. prospects in front of me. You know, I was going to grad school. I was uh, working nights for uh, on the night show. And then I also got my own shift, uh, doing my own show on the weekend. So I was like really busy. And, 
Amazing. I think in a way that helped me like to not, um, it helped me to just, I kind of, kind of focus on that. And so, yeah, I was still drinking and smoking pot, but it's, things were kind of at bay at that time, right? right which right, was, right. which was, you know, which allowed me to build my career in, in, uh, doing radio. And, um, so, you know, I, uh, I was, I was doing okay for a long time, although just throughout all of it, I, I just never really fully felt happy. You know, there was yeah. always this, this void in me. Like, I just felt like I was trying to constantly fill this hole that I just couldn't seem to fill up. And I didn't know what I needed. I thought I was depressed. I was on antidepressants. I, I was anxious. I was on, you know, Xanax. I was just, I never felt good. And, and I couldn't figure out why that was that I never felt good. I, I didn't understand that I had a disease that needed to be treated and that was progressive in nature. And I didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up, um, you know, just really becoming successful at that radio station. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I had this persona you know, to the public that I was this happy-go-lucky, fun party girl that loved music. And little did they know that, you know, a lot of the times I was just getting off of work and I was going to pick up drugs and I was just holed up in my room <laughs> getting loaded all the time, you know? Oh my gosh. And it was a very sorry existence, um, you know? And, yeah. and, it, and it progressed into me then getting into pills and opiates and then um i made some poor decisions when i was working at that radio station and they actually yeah. um they actually had to let me go um they they fired oh. me. and um so that was a uh, a pretty rude awakening for me but yeah. not a rude not rude enough for me to actually quit doing drugs like it it wasn't like i was thinking oh well you know the drugs are the problem uh i just right. was like screw them F them, you know, whatever. And I'm just gonna, I'm fine. You know? Yeah. Like I didn't even, it's always someone else's problem. It's never yours. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible how the disease of, of addiction makes you a victim in every facet of your life because you are not able to take responsibility for anything. And, um, you know, it's, it's just really, it's really crazy how much you go into denial and uh, yeah, yeah, you just blame, blame everybody for everything that's happening to you based on your choices and the things that you're doing, you know, but isn't, isn't that just so much easier? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, in in a way maybe it's easier, but I think that in the, in the long run, all you're doing is avoiding your own issues that need to be addressed mm-hmm. and you're not growing as a person it's like you're stuck as a five-year-old you know blaming exactly blaming your your mom and dad for things that they did to you when you were a kid and it's like grow up you know get over it they're they're just people right. doing the best that they can do and um it's just it's just um everything is everybody else's fault and you know mm-hmm. it's just almost like you have no ability to look at yourself you know yeah so yeah so for me things just progressed from there i um i lost everything i i lost my apartment i was in a a relationship at the time that was really unhealthy and uh we were using together and um you know it just progressed into heroin and uh whoa you know yeah it's it's really easy for that jump to happen when you're doing opiates because it's the same thing it's just you can get one for much cheaper you know so, exactly. um, I know, think it's the so, name. So. The name just sounds so much more serious. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm. These gluten-free vegan non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally. And most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. 
com. Yeah, people definitely get freaked out by the name, you know, by heroin and um yeah. but it's it's like so ridiculous because he packaged it up as like oxycodone or oxycontin and it's in a little bottle that comes from your doctor and it's you know, it's fine. People are okay with that. Totally. Um, you know, so pretty much from there i uh you know i became homeless for a short stint i like i it's like high class homeless so i was crashing at a friend's house um and then i you know we would stay in hotels when we had the money and um you know just figure it out pretty much and um then wow. you know i mean <clears throat> my boyfriend at the time and i like we did want to stop you know because it's it's just this endless cycle of just constantly being sick trying to figure out where you can get money like pawning all of your stuff you know, borrowing money from family members and, and people start to wonder like what's going on. And, and they, my family had stopped. They, they wouldn't give me any money anymore. They were, they knew that like I was, um, doing drugs and stuff. They had figured it out. So I was, so we were able to like get on, um, you know, we were trying, we were trying to quit and we would just be on methadone and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so I was able to get a job, uh, at a winery and, um, Oh, that's good. Which is, which is a really great job for an alcoholic, you know, but, um, (laughs) but, but I will say like, by that point, my, I was not really interested in alcohol. Like it was like my, Mm. my interest was like in heroin and, and then eventually it's into speed, you know? Okay. Um, so it was like, it wasn't like I was like drinking all day at the winery. I just, like, I, it didn't, it didn't do it for me anymore. Like I, it was still there. Like, yeah, sure. I would still drink, but it was like, I, w- I wanted what I wanted, you know, I wanted the, the good stuff, the hard stuff. Um, so right. inevitably I found, fa- I found speed because speed allowed me to like, not feel as sick from, um, being dope sick from the heroin. And it gave me energy. It gave me the ability to do tasks that I did not want to do. And so, um, but you know, the thing with speed is it totally ch- transforms your personality and it's, you just are, you have no idea how absolutely insane you look. I was like a hundred pounds, you know, I had, I had Whoa. definitely, I was like so thin and just, um, out of my mind, you know, um, I finally just got to a place where I had to call my mom and say, I need to come home. And I need to, uh, I need to get clean. Like I'm, I'm not okay. And, you know, so I, I did that. I went home, I went to rehab and, um, you know, I would like to tell you right now that I stayed sober from there on out, but Mm -hmm. that's just not the truth. I, um, you know, I went to a, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash ASGG. I went to a uh, sober living and... Um I ended up relapsing while I was at that sober living. Um, and then I, um, what was your cause for relapse? Like what was your trigger? I, 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 well, I, I think it's just, you're either working the program or you're not. It's just, you're, you're going to meetings and you're working with your sponsor and you're working your steps and you're a part of the program or you're not. And when I'm not doing those things, I'm just setting myself up on a road to, to relapse. So it wasn't like there was any specific thing that happened or, 
You know, it wasn't like, um, you know, I, I will say like the, the sober living itself probably wasn't the best environment. It wasn't the best, uh, sober living, but at the time, you know, I had no idea. Like I didn't know, like right. I, you know, so, um, and, and, uh, I was hanging out with a friend who I had known since high school and, um, he and I started getting loaded together again. Um, and, uh, he actually ended up overdosing and dying. And, um, <gasps> that oh, for no. me was, that was one of those things that oh. it, it really, it really shook me up. You know, um, it's mm-hmm. really hard sometimes to not feel responsible when those things happen, like all, you know, granted at the time that he did overdose and die, like we really hadn't been hanging out cause I had moved away from that area. <clears throat> and, um, right. you know, he was hanging out with some other people and, and all that, but you know, I, I still feel as though I did play a role in, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, 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 in his, uh, in his death in some ways. And so after that happened, I, just was like, what am I doing? You know, I had no quality of life. I had moved, uh, in with an old friend and like my, but you know, people were just getting the place with me where they just, they didn't want to be around me and, and they didn't know how to help me. And I was just always asking to borrow money. And I was just, I, you know, I was just, uh, a succubus, you know, and, and my parents and my family wanted nothing to do with me. And I just had run out of, of, options. And I was so unhappy, you know, and I was just, I was doing heroin and speed every day and I would, I would work. And then I would, I would be able to go just take that money that I had earned that day and and go and pick up. And that was just pretty much my life, you know? Um, and so I, uh, finally I had met somebody who was, um, you know, working a 12 step program and he just kind of started to talk to me about it. And yeah, you know, and, and I could just tell he was getting the place with me where he was going to say, look, I can't hang out with you anymore because you're always high and like, I can't be around this. And, um, so one day I just called him and I just said, I'm going to go check myself into, uh, a hospital. I'm just going to go tell them I want to kill myself because I just want them to put me on a hold and see what, what I can do. And so I did that. I actually spent New Year's of 2015 going into 2016 in a psychiatric ward. And, um, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was lucky that they were able to put me on Suboxone. So I wasn't just kicking the entire time and super miserable. And then when I got out, um, my friend picked me up and he took me, he had arranged for me to go to a sober living. He, he was just very involved in the community and he had arranged for me to go to sober living where they let me stay for two weeks until I could get a job and, and get myself on my feet, you know? So, um, so yeah, I did that. I went to the sober living after that and I stayed there for nine months and, um, yeah, I was just so done. I was so, I was so surrendered at that point. I just could not, I could not, do what I was doing anymore. I was like, I haven't, I wasn't raised like this. This was not how my family raised me to be. I had just, I, I had no more, I had like broken every moral code that I had inside of me. You know, um, I just, I, I just could not believe like what I had done in my life and how I had lost everything that I ever cared about. And, um, you know, I was just done. I was willing to do whatever they wanted me to do. If that meant wake up early and do chores and check in and go to a certain amount of meetings a week and work with your sponsor. I just, I didn't care. I was willing to do it. So, um, so yeah, pretty much from there, it was like, that's when I actually did the work. And, um, when I was, uh, 60 days sober, I actually, uh, was reached out to by somebody who worked at a radio station in Los Angeles. And they, um, they said that they were needing to take a leave, a maternity leave, and they were going to be looking for Mm -hmm. someone to fill in. And she thought that I should, you know, apply. So I did. Yeah. I was lucky to have that connection. Um, because, you know, I was just able to reach out and they, were like, yes, like we want you to come in. And I, I went in and, you know, I actually just, I told them my entire story because the parent company that owned the radio station in San Francisco was the same one as in LA. And I just, I was sure, you know, I was like, there's no way they're going to bring oh. me back, you know, after they fired yeah, me. 
Right, 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 right. Yeah. So they, um, but you know what? I sat there and I told them my truth and I told them that I had made a lot of mistakes in my past that I missed doing radio more than anything in the world. And that I, you know, I just wanted to, to give it a go again that I was in sober living. And, you know, I was only six, like 60 days sober at the time. It was insane. I couldn't believe what was happening. And, you know, they, they were awesome enough to, to give me another shot at it. And, um, so I've, you know, I've been working at K-Rock ever since then. And then it was pretty wild because about a year after that, the station in San Francisco reached out to me and they said that they wanted to bring me back on. And uh, I was able to make an amends to my, you know, my employer and, um, my previous employer. And, and now, you know, they're my employer again. I do the, the show from San Francisco here in LA. And, um, it's been pretty freaking incredible. Um, because That's amazing. Yeah. It's like one of those full circle stories where, you know, I, I just, the things that I, I just, things that I never thought were possible are actually happening now in my life. And it's all yeah. because I have gotten sober and I've, you know, work, I work a program and I, I really believe in, um, the, the power of it and the power of being together as a group and, um, you know, one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic and mm-hmm. just, you know, putting my hand out, helping sponsor other women and, um, you know, just taking responsibility for my life and the things that happen in it. And I, I just feel so, I don't know, just grateful for the way that, that things have panned out. And I know that that's not always everyone's story in recovery. Like that sometimes mm-hmm. things take a long time. Um, this was just the path th- that my life went down. And, you know, it's not to say that there's going to be other struggles that I, that I face and I run into because I know that there will be, but, um, I do feel as though since I've been given a platform that, I, you know, I have to use it wisely and that I am able to share the fact that I am sober to my audience and to my listeners. And it has made a very big impact because they do That's reach so out. Cool. Yeah. They reach out and they yeah. say like, Hey, you know, I heard you talking about how you just got three years sober and I actually just got sober and I have 30 days today. And how do you, you know, do you have any advice? And, you know, and, and I'm able to just talk to them about it. And it's, yeah, it's been a very incredible experience. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEAMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. So that is the long, the long ass answer (laughs) to your question. (laughs) Oh my God. That's like the the best answer. That's that's so amazing. And I love that you're able to, you know, that your like radio station and everyone has been so cool and like, would you have even have gone to that meeting or that interview if you weren't sober? Like, oh, the, no, there's no there, way. Well, it wouldn't. Right? Have, the, it wouldn't have even presented itself. the The opportunity would have never presented itself because I was just not in a place. Like, I was. I feel like when you're using drugs, you completely cut off your connection to the flow of the universe 
And yes, when you're out of that flow and out of sync with that flow, it's like that my coworker would have never reached out to me to say like, Hey, you know, you should apply for this job. It just, I just don't think it would have happened. I, you know, and, and I was just in not in any kind of place. Like when I was using, I, I didn't, I just knew I was not capable of doing the job. So I just wouldn't have, it just wouldn't have gone anywhere. Maybe I would have gotten a text saying that, but I probably wouldn't have responded, you know? Right. Cause right. I just wasn't interested in living. I wasn't interested in it, you know? Totally. So now you're this kick-ass uh, DJ and host at K-Rock. Um, that's absolutely amazing. How and- do you practice? Oh. Oh, sorry. Sure. And alt and alt one oh five three in the Bay Area as well. Okay, if, if you're in the fancy, Bay. Yeah. fancy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you practice your sobriety, like on a daily level? Like now that you've gone through your treatment, gone through your kind of like aha moments, how do you practice your sobriety daily? I just know that I have to go to meetings because I Mm -hmm. feel relief when I go to meetings. I feel connected to my peers when I go to meetings. So I get commitments at them. Um, you know, I like, I'm the chip chick at two meetings a week and, um, and that's awesome. I, uh, I, I believe in the power of prayer. Uh, So, you know, I, I try to pray as, as often as I can. Uh, I wish that I could say that I meditated more, but the truth is I, it's really <laughs> difficult for me, but I do, I do know that it helps. Um, yeah. I do know that it, it really does help. I, um, I talk to my sponsor, you know, I check in with her like once okay. every couple of weeks. I actually see her once a week because, at, uh, one of the meetings I go to, she's there. Um, so that cool. helps me stay connected with her. I sponsor other women. Um, so I have like three sponsees right now and, they will call me and, you know, that helps keep me grounded and keep, keeps me in check with my program and what I'm doing and the way that I'm acting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just, it's just, there's no doubt in my mind anymore. I, I like, I, I fully comprehend the disease that I have and, mm-hmm. and I, and I now know the tools, um, that I have to use in order to maintain and keep my sobriety. Um, so it's just not even a question and I just already know the things that I have to do and I don't, I don't put them off. Like I never go, Oh, I don't feel like going to a meeting. Like I just, I get up and I I just go. It's, it's just a part of my routine now. Right. Everything, you know, everything that I do for my recovery is just a part of my life today. And I know that if I don't keep those things in my life, that I will lose everything that I have. And I don't want to lose the life that I have today because it's amazing. And I'm, I love to, you know, that I get to do what I do and I don't want to jeopardize that. I also have an amazing relationship with my family today, you know, because when you Mm. go through the book and you do the steps and you take responsibility for your actions and you make amends to your family members, uh, a very, an amazing thing happens as a spiritual experience occurs. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that, you know, I can call my mom and dad at any point, talk to them about anything. And, and I have a great relationship with my brothers now. And, you know, just, it's been, it's just been an absolute game changer in every single facet of my life. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just amazing. And, you know, the 10th step in the book talks about, you know, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And I, you know, I, I truly try to practice that where, you know, I just recently had something happen where I kind of said something to a coworker that came out of ego and I didn't like it. And, and they, you know, they, their feelings were hurt by it. And so I was able to the very next day go in and apologize for my behavior. And I think that when you do that, people have a lot more respect for you, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're able to just like humble yourself and take responsibility for your actions. And like, I don't want to be somebody that, hurts other people. I want to be someone who uplifts others, you know, and shows, shows love in this world, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no worse feeling than making someone feel like shit. Like, yep. I just don't get that. I don't, I don't get that. Like, 
why would you want to make someone feel bad? Like that is my worst nightmare. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, they, they feel powerful. You know, it's like mm. a, it's like a weird uh, addiction where they, yeah. they love to have power over other people's feelings. It makes them feel important, you know, it makes them feel in charge and like they have control. Um, but it's just really totally. rooted. It's rooted in insecurity and it's rooted in ego. And so I don't think that people that do that are bad. It's just that they, uh, they don't have self-awareness and they're probably not very happy people, you know? Um, so yeah. yeah, when I, when I did that, you know, I, even though I was just kind of joking around with the person, it, it didn't yeah. come off. It didn't come off in the way that I wanted it to. And, and when I really right. sat down and thought about it, I was like, you know what, where is this coming from? This, it was, mm. com it was coming from a place of maybe frustration. So, you know, mm. I didn't, I didn't like that. And so I, you know, took responsibility and then, then I just was like, okay, how can I be better in the future? You know, I try to not dwell on the things that I've done and I try to think, how can I change my actions and behaviors in the future and do it better next time? Uh, I love that. That's so great. Um, I've noticed that you, you've, uh, referenced your drug use and alcohol, your alcoholism as a disease. Uh -huh. And a lot of people, there's kind of like this, I don't know, it, this discussion of whether it's a disease or it's a choice. What do you think about that? Oh, well, I personally, for my, in my own experience, it's never been a choice. Um, mm. I never had, I never had a choice in the matter. Um, I, I would want to stop so many times, uh, so many yeah. substances, so many substances. I would just be like, just don't, just don't pick up, just don't pick up, just don't pick up, just don't pick up. And the next thing I know, I'm on the phone with my dealer and I'm picking up. It's like, I could not, I did not have a choice in the matter. So if that right. is, uh, if that's other people's experiences, then they're probably not alcoholic. Um, you know, they're probably just, you know, normies that had some, you know, like some crazy times where maybe they were a little bit into something for a while, but then they were able to walk away from it. And I can't just walk away from it unless I have a program in place. Um, it's okay. just, it's just how it is for me, but that's, that's my experience with it. So, um, you know, I, I know that there are, you know, there are some people that don't, that are sober, that don't work a program. Like, that's great. Like whatever, whatever people do, you know, that's, that's up to you. Um, I just know for me, I actually feel like I am a better person because I'm working a spiritual program and, yeah. and it makes me, and I know that if I wasn't working a program, I would be restless, irritable, and discontent because I've, I've seen it happen when I'm not able to get to meetings. And um, you know, I just, I don't like how I act in that way. So mm -hmm. yeah, for me, cool. it wasn't a choice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one last question, uh, to anyone listening to this podcast and our conversation right now, who is maybe trying to get sober, has been sober for a while, what, what little words of advice would you give to them? I think you just have to be at a place in your life where you're absolutely done. I, mm. no one else is gonna, no one else is gonna be able to convince you to get sober. But if it is something that you feel like needs to happen and you know that you are, are out of control, the best thing that you can do is just surrender to the process of it and just do what it, what it takes to get sober because you may not live to see tomorrow. Um, right. You know, um, and, and I think you just have to not be afraid and just jump in with both feet. Don't like, just, just be okay with the fact that you don't really know what the hell is going on. When you first get into recovery and the program, it's a lot of, it's different language. It's, it's, you know, it's just, it's just, more about you humbling yourself to sit there and listen and learn about something that mm -hmm. you, that relates to you, but that you're now going to learn about. It's, it's like if you were diagnosed, you know, with diabetes or something, you know, you'd probably go home and you'd read up every single thing you could about it to find out and read about different options for treatment and, 
how to change right. your diet and exercise and all that. And you'd find out as much as you could in order to treat this disease that you have so that maybe you can get rid of it. Um, and I think it's the same way for the addiction of alcoholism or the disease of alcoholism and addiction. It's like, you don't know anything about your disease because it's been running your life forever. So mm-hmm. now's the time for you to sit and listen and read this book that tells you about the disease and learn about it. And then right. after, and then after you learn about it, if you still feel like, if you feel like it doesn't pertain to you, then maybe you're not an alcoholic. But I know that after I read the big book, I was like, yep, this, every single thing in here is exactly how I have felt and I've been yeah. feeling and it's the solution in here. So now I have the solution for the thing that's been ruining my life and making me unhappy, you know? And now that right. I'm sober, it's like my depression is gone. My anxiety is gone. And I was on, I was on anxiety medication for a while, but I actually just got off of that about a month and a half ago and I feel great. Um, cool. so, um, you know, and, and I just think it's like, what's the alternative? It's like, what do you have to lose? You might as well give this yeah. thing a shot because your life can change in the most dramatic and amazing ways. And I truly feel like I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams. I did not like some of the experiences that I've had over the last three years have truly floored me and mm. continue to floor me. And this is only the beginning of my journey. So, you know, and I think it's also important to take the time to truly focus on yourself. You know, you have the rest of your life to be in a relationship. You have the rest of your life to find a career. But if you're able to just take some time to just focus on your recovery, I think it's very helpful. Totally. I will 100 percent agree with the taking time for yourself. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been like single through basically my whole recovery and yeah, me too. It's been amazing. Like I haven't been single since I was like 15. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like when do you even find time? Like I was literally like one relationship to the next. It's like, it's crazy. And yeah. now like getting to rediscover like myself and things that I actually like and want to do is like a whole it's a whole new world it's crazy yeah oh totally it definitely is yeah I'm the same I've been single for the last three years like I've Mm -hmm. I've dated here and there but I just know I know what I want now I I'm yeah like I'm I'm not willing to settle and I'm so focused on what I'm doing with my career and honestly I'm so busy that I yeah. just don't even know where I would have the time for a relationship. And I, I, I do think that a relationship is going to challenge me probably and like the most out of anything else has in, since I've been sober. But, you know, but I'll just cross that bridge when I get there. And I think when you find yeah. the person, when you find the person that, that is actually supposed to be in your life, they're supposed to complement your life. You know, it, it shouldn't totally. be a struggle. It shouldn't be drama. It shouldn't be someone that in any way jeopardizes your recovery. Uh, it should be somebody that brings happiness and joy and goodness into your life that understands you and that doesn't judge you. Um, so, you know, I'm just gonna have faith that, you know, God in the universe will bring that person into my life when, when the time is right, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. No more drama, no more relationships (laughs) full of drama. I mean, Jesus, yep. that was that was my norm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, my, yeah. yeah. The the relationship I was in when I was using because I I've honestly been single for most of my life. But um, yeah, I uh, when I was in this one relationship when we were we were using it was just really it wasn't good for either of us. You know, we we both were terrible for each other, and it was yeah. very unhealthy. And and just you know, I compromised so much of who I was just, I don't know, for the safety of being in this relationship was just so unlike me, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I learned a lot from that. You know, I don't, I don't have any remorse towards this guy. I just, I learned a lot from it and, you know, and, and, and in moving forward, I just, I just know that, you know, it's gotta be the, the right person. And, and I think that that person will reveal themselves like when, when it's ready, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find you? 
so you can find me on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, screw Facebook though. It's lame. Uh, Megan holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook is a cesspool, man. It's, it's gnarly. Um, yeah. Megan oh holiday. At Megan holiday. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you can also find my podcast, which is called Seven Words with Megan Holiday. It's on all yeah. uh, all podcasting platforms. And you can listen to me on uh, Alt 105.3 in San Francisco, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then you can listen to me uh, in Los Angeles on K-Rock from uh, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, and you can use the radio.com app to listen to either of those radio stations if you're not in the Bay or L.A. That's my spiel. Amazing. <laughs> love it i love it awesome. why, why no facebook what do you what do you why are you hating oh, on I'm, facebook i'm on facebook but i just it's just not the best place to like follow me because you know i i rarely yeah. post on there and i just i hate it so i for me instagram is where <laughs> is where it's at you know so you're too. gonna find out the most about me on instagram so Okay. Go stalker yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. You get all, all the juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just me being, being ridiculous. If you, if you watch my Instagram stories, it's just me being a total weirdo. So enjoy yeah. it with your dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dog. <laughs> Thank you. I think our dogs need to meet. My dog is like <laughs> the exact opposite of your dog. Uh-huh. He is black, small, and a male so they're like literally complete opposites (laughs) yeah really (laughs) i know i have like a big white wolf pretty much yeah yeah (laughs) well megan thank you so so much for walking us through your journey and your wise words you're like so amazing oh thank you so much jess this has been really fun love Megan and I love her story. She also forgot to mention that she just recently celebrated her third year sober. So big congrats to Megan. Keep it up, girl. Make sure to follow her and listen along on K-Rock if you're in LA and Alt 105.3 if you're in the Bay Area. As always, thank you guys so much for your love and support. Couldn't do this without you. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. We love to hear your feedback. Follow us at A Sober Girl's Guide on Facebook and Instagram. And don't sleep on the blog. Asobergirlsguide.com has all the articles up there for you. Thank you so much for listening to A Sober Girl's Guide podcast. Have a great day.